on this episode of Thinking Well. But then also, I think we forget that there is a power in coming together in community and worshiping God together. And I think if you have access to all of these great songs by yourself, I think we forget the value of coming together and worshiping God together. We have this flood of different options, and now everything gets to be preference-driven. So so I, I just don't think that's how God intended it to be. And yet it is very cultural. And so to what degree has the church just allowed the culture to infiltrate our our experience? And to what degree is God cool with that and he wants to work with that? But but I think that preference-driven peace is, um, is a concern. Every week, millions of Christians gather together in churches to worship God. While it's true that worship is more than music and singing, the time, energy, and resources we devote to the corporate expression of worship would suggest it plays a profound role in shaping our view of God. Today, we're putting worship and our attitudes towards it under the microscope. Do the songs we sing always need to be theologically correct? With so many great songs available to us now, how can we avoid approaching worship with a consumer mindset? And does the emotion music creates within us mean our response towards God is ingenuine? We hope today's conversation encourages and challenges you to worship God in spirit and in truth. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Thinking Well. I'm Dan, joined by Rachel. Hello. Jordan. Hi. And Renee. Hey, thanks for having me back. How are you guys doing today? Excellent. What's what's one thing that made you smile this week? A highlight of your week, maybe? So we had some good weather for a bit, so that made me happy. But now it's kind of cold again, so I don't know. But spring is springing eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. I'll take it. <laughs> um, okay, well, Mike's Discount Foods <laughs> wow. had um, They're not sponsoring a this. Whole Foods brand of ice cream, gelato, three for $5. Deal. And I grabbed that up, right up. So I'm really excited about that. Wow. That's, is that. But we didn't do the eight for 10 or whatever it was. We didn't do the eight for 10 because I was like, I don't want to show up at my in-laws house with eight things of ice cream. Am so, I the only person that feels like when I get a really good deal in something I like that it's a kiss from God? Is that oh. wrong? Is that wrong thinking? No, no. especially yeah. with inflation today. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, when gelato is cheaper than gas, <laughs> right. buy, <laughs> buy stock in there. <laughs> yeah. um, I would have to say um, what put a smile on my face this week is having a late night conversation with my 20-year-old son about biblical things, about, you know, uh, uh, honestly, the topic was, is it okay to kill someone so they don't kill you, mom? And ooh, looking ooh, at dang. the biblical aspects of that and his nature wanting to protect and yet him thinking probably I wouldn't be very happy with that choice that he would kill someone <laughs> to save me. And and then that we actually went to the word and like and looked at, you know, and by the way, we didn't find any real great answers in the word either. But <laughs> that he even wanted to discuss it just made mm. me smile. And yeah. that he has a, a he wants to discuss it from a biblical worldview made me happy. 
That's awesome. Maybe we should talk about that today. Yeah, I was going to say. That's for another podcast. One of these days we do need to do an episode on like nonviolence and war and just war theory. All of that stuff, man. Wow. Not today. Nathan Nathan Finocchio has a lot of thoughts on it. Yeah, (laughs) I I do too. (laughs) Um, Okay, for me. Okay, so I started selling some designs on Etsy. Or I put them up on Etsy to sell. Um, basically some digital artwork that people can buy and then download and print out themselves. They can make it into canvases or framed artwork or whatever. So I put it up a week ago and absolutely nobody touched it. Aww, <laughs> which was, you should have let us know, Dan. We well, actually, okay. I went to so bought it. A few people <laughs> bought it. A few people bought it, but it was just like family and friends, like, we support you. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't count those people. But then just yesterday, within like an hour of each other, I had one person from Mexico buy something and then another person from my homeland of Australia buy something too. So I made 20 bucks in an hour. Nice. Passively. Um, There you go. I know it's not much, but like it just feels like an accomplishment because I put this project off for so long and um, now I'm just sitting back doing nothing and people are buying my stuff. So. Let's go for more of that. Account. That's yeah. awesome. Yes. Ching, ching. It's affirming, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my creativity can be yeah. profitable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rachel, what are we talking about today? We are talking about worship and how it impacts us as Christians um, so I'm really excited to hear your guys' thoughts on this. So let's jump in. Um, how does worship form who we are and why is it important that we think critically about how, how and why we worship? Mm. Why can't it just be personal preference or can it be? Well, I mean, I think one answer to that question is that it is a corporate experience so often. So it kind of takes the personal preference part out of it in that we're experiencing it as as local bodies of believers, and then we're also experiencing it as a larger body of Christ um, throughout time as it changes. And so I think it is important that we, we look at um, any practice in the church to, to make sure we're lining up with with Scripture, to make sure we're lining up with, is this what the church is supposed to look like? and what it's supposed to center on. And so I think it's really important that we ask that question from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we should let our listeners know from the start that today we are kind of focusing in on worship in regards to the very like visible, prominent expression of it being singing and music. And we know worship is more than that, right? It's, it's a lifestyle, um, it's laying down our lives, all of those things that we could get into. But today we're just kind of focusing in on one very prominent aspect of it, and that is um, worship, I guess, in the corporate sense. But then also, I mean, we're all, we're all walking around with phones and playlists in our pocket now, so worship is, from a musical point, we're, we're taking it with us everywhere we go, and um, I think... I think because it's such a huge part of our Christian culture now, we just consume so much of it. I think it's important that we are examining what we eat, in a sense. You know, mm-hmm. Not just mindlessly take it all in and just say, it is what it is. Um, it is shaping and forming us. So if it is, 
we're singing these songs every week. It, it's important to look at what we're doing and how it's shaping it, shaping us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. When I when I kind of think about the how and the why, um, I kind of think about in John four, Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman, and you know they're kind of going back and forth on a couple of things, and then she kind of brings up well. The Jews say you need to worship in the temple in Samaria. This is where we worship, whatever. And Jesus kind of just says, he's like, I'm looking for true worshipers. You know, it doesn't matter where, but I'm looking for the true worshipers. So to me, I think about that as just being authentic in our worship and being real and letting our personalities be in our worship. And to Dan's point, to make sure we're not worshiping the singer songwriter worship leaders we're not worshiping the people playing amazing guitar and drums and cool holy what, spirit pads. you are pretty amazing jordan oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did i say amazing that just kind of slipped out <laughs> um and we're not you know we're not worshiping the the human aspect of it but you know the the god aspect the holy spirit the jesus for who they are and and so i think that's that's really my goal is just to be authentic in what I do about worship. So speaking of, you know, worshiping in spirit and in truth, do our songs always need to be theologically correct? I've shifted on this a little bit. Really? Oh. Yeah. Do tell. I'm excited so, for this now. There's a large chunk of my life where I would have said no, because like, you know, it's a it's a personal expression from our hearts to God's heart, and that kind of can shift and change all the time. But and, and maybe part of that is true. You guys can chime in on that. But the more I think about it, er, everything we do and say about God is theology on some level. We're we're doing theology. So if if we are doing theology, I want to make sure that it's correct mm. and yeah. not incorrect. And there's degrees to that, um, like when we're really just pouring out our heart before God and, and, and praying, I don't think we have to have that filter up so high, right. but like I do, I really do want to be mindful of like the, the words that I'm singing, is this true? Because that is, like we said before, it's shaping me mm-hmm. and we're in our church, we're spending like what, 45 minutes <laughs> Every 30, 30 to 45 minutes every Sunday singing truths about God, and and that's every week. And so that has some kind of effect long-term over what you believe mm-hmm. and how you perceive God. So I am personally putting a lot more emphasis on thinking through things yeah. and lyrics. Is that theologically correct? Right. And yeah. also not trying to be that guy, like, that's not correct. I'm not right. saying this. Yeah. 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 I think for the corporate setting, I think it's yeah. important that it's theologically sound, theologically correct, because it's, you know, as a body, being able to just sing what is true and what is right, I think is, is what really what is most important to me in kind of that setting. So not not saying anything that's like... Yeah, like you said, oh, that's a little hazy. I mean, and I'm sure I've led songs like that before, and I'm sure I've done it before, but I, I think it is important to really be sound in that yeah. as as the body, as the church, to do that. Yeah. I guess for me in that, I I really have not heard a song where I go, that is completely heretical, 
I've not, I haven't heard a song where I'm listening to it and saying um, that statement about God or that statement about how God it might be interacting with me is heretical or not you know not correct. I think again for me it's going to always come down to the balance and how are we waiting waiting like weight you know mm-hmm. like a scale. How are we weighting these expressions of who God mm-hmm. is? Because I agree, in corporate worship, we're really teaching people. It's a type of discipleship to some degree. Yeah. In yeah. fact, I think corporate worship really started out to help people learn Scripture. So, so people didn't read, or not everybody had Bibles. or And so most corporate songs were Scripture set to music, basically. And I think we have gotten away from that, and that's... That's problematic to me a little bit. I think that yeah. we, I think we're missing an opportunity um, to to not be more focused on that. But I guess I would say it's more to me. It's more about the percentage of what is the focus of if we've mm-hmm. decided we're only going to focus on these aspects of God. When I look at the Psalms, David said lots of things that were not theologically correct, <laughs> right. Yeah, right? And sang yeah. them, and you know, yeah. but then landed in this place of like, but this is who God is, yeah. and so I think I think we need to be critical in our thinking about it, um, but I also think we need to be careful. God is really vast in you know who He is and how He interacts with people and. We want to give space, you know, for that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think of the song, you're never, the the phrase, you're never going to let me down in the song. Yeah. And whenever that comes up, I'm like, I mean, no, he's never going to let us down, like, in his goodness, but we will be disappointed yeah. in, like, some right. of it his It depends decisions. on what it means to you. It, right, right, exactly. Yeah. And then, like, if we have, like, a baby believer be- coming in and, like, oh, God's never going to let me down? Great. Right. I'll get everything I want. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, sure. and so... um yeah, it's it's definitely important what what we sing in, in a corporate setting. And then I do think like we're coming, like we have all of these songs in our phone that they're coming out with every single week. And those maybe aren't meant for a corporate setting right. or, or right. even even to be like, maybe that they should have kept that in their bedroom. And that was, you know, a relationship between them and God. Right. Mm-hmm. Rather or in than, their own rather vocal than body. Right. Or in their yeah. own vocal body, yeah. yeah. And and I think we feel a pressure to record everything that sounds good so we can share it with the body, you know, the global yeah. body, but yeah. it's not meant for that. When I was preparing for this, I tried to think of stuff that it's like, okay, now I'm not sure how biblically sound, doctrinally sound that is. I just struggled. So I Googled it and like a bunch of like the first articles that I read, it just seems so petty. All these yeah. people just picking apart these songs. I'm like, well, you're just mad. You're not Chris Tomlin and you're not making a living, a good living doing this is with the kind of the feeling yeah. I got. Cause I'm like, dude, I mean, it's, it, he was picking apart like amazing grace and stuff like this. I'm like, okay, let's just calm down a little bit with yeah. that. Right, right. Yeah. So it was just like, to me, it was just like pettiness over it and just like, well, maybe they're just a little bit jealous of it. Yeah. So. People are judging motives of yeah. the songwriters. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, man, going into down threads and social media about people judging yeah. Hillsong or it's oh, just like, thing? Oh my gosh. I'm oh, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, to Renee's point, it probably is more a question of like emphasis and mm-hmm. after, you know, five, 10, 20 years of singing a bunch of different songs, like what is the picture of God that you come away with? Right. Yeah. And, uh, gosh, I wish I wrote this quote down. 
I'm going to butcher it. I don't even know who the person was, but it could be you then. You could yeah, just yeah, say you said it. As I always say, <laughs> uh, this guy, uh, he, this is probably a couple hundred years ago. He said something to the effect of, give me your room with like a hundred men and I'll teach them something. They give me a song and I'll influence a whole generation. Yeah, something yeah. like that. I'm sure you guys have heard that. Yeah. And just thinking how true that is, like, you know the the sermon portion of our of our services like has a lot of heavy teaching in it, but I don't think we should discount the theology and just just the overall picture that our songs paint of God and how they teach mm-hmm. and shape people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like even over the last I don't know ten. 15 years that we've had of a revelation of us being heirs of Christ and everything. And the songs that have come out of that, when we put an emphasis on us being princes and princesses and, you know, kings and queens, I feel like that has kind of brought out like a narcissistic side of the church. Mm. Like a self-focused. Right. Like, let's, let's sing this about us and we'll declare and decree that we're, you know, like, um, so I can definitely see how like the different weight that we put on types of songs and everything can can change how we see God. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe the the criticism isn't so much for the individual song. The criticism right. can be more the emphasis of the movement they're coming out of and the emphasis, you know, being so much on a particular concept. Um and again, recognizing that some of those revelations, like the revelation of being heirs and really understanding what that means, like we don't get to just stay in that constantly and go, this is everything about my Christian life and how I interact with God is connected only to this truth and this reality. And so I think some of it has to do with that as well, Yeah, that that we take the music of a moment and then we, we make that the anthem for our entire experience with God. Right. danger that our worship can become more about our response to God rather than who God is. And and not that one is better than the other, but like we said, when we put an emphasis on one over the other, it can become unbalanced. What do you think, Dan? Uh, yeah, I think whenever there's two things, um, there's always a danger of emphasizing one more than the other. And I think it's kind of like this pendulum effect. So we probably came out of an era where like songs were really just centered on God and who he is. And um, in the late nineties, you saw like not a shift, but just like a new explosion of songs where we could sing about our response to God and just how God relates to us. And it became very um, personal and um, almost 
like less corporate and more like one on one. And it's interesting that we still would like sing those songs in a corporate setting. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but like you could go a whole Sunday singing a lot of I love you and you love me, just completely unaware of the fact that we're joined together as the body of Christ. Yeah. So that that that's kind of interesting. Um, and yeah, I think I think maybe God is bringing a little bit of correction and balance back to where we are singing songs about who he is. Because if I'm only singing about how I relate to God, God, I love you, I surrender all. Let's be honest, there's weeks where that's not true. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. And I get it. Like, I get the whole thing of like positive confession and telling your soul to sing things. But I, I think what we really need to focus on singing is the truth of who God is and then letting our hearts come into alignment mm-hmm. yeah. with that. And then the response is more genuine then. Yeah, no, I, that's a really good way of putting it. Cause I, I feel like when I'm singing, I, as a worship leader, it's like, well, maybe I don't feel this right now, even as a worship leader singing it, it's like, I'm a fraud, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like, man, the secret is out. Right. Exactly. It's like, well, this is maybe for me more personally, not for that. Again, thinking about the body, the corporate worship time, it's like, well, you know, Joe in back isn't thinking that. And Marsha on this side definitely isn't thinking that it's like, I, I think I really want to be intentional that it's, it's bringing us together to focus on God and not just as an individual. Right. I mean, why do we gather for church? Why do we gather as a community? It's not to like put the focus on ourselves. Right. It's to worship God. And so with certain types of songs, we're not really doing that. We're just focusing on ourselves again, like going inward more. Right. And I think the concern I have is part of the reason it has sort of leaned that way is because that, that personal expression of relationship with God, that personal expression that should be happening one-on-one with God is not happening. Yep. Yeah. It's only happening at church. At church. That's a really good point. In this this setting. And and I can only interact with God and and share what I'm saying to him at church in this setting. And I think he's shifting that. I think he's bringing that back so that that language is more corporate when we're together and it's the overflow of the individual time that I'm having, you know, with God. Um, and then also to your question, as it related to, can it, you know, is it dangerous that it's more about our response to God than it is who God is? Just a, an experience that I had recently, I did 30 days <clears throat> of going through the Psalms um, every day. That's the only thing I prayed. That's the only thing I read in the Word, except for my sermon prep, which I had to break the rule for that. (laughs) But, um, you know, whatever. But only the parts of the Psalms that focused on who God was. So I had this list made out. These are all the parts of the Psalms that focus on who God is, not the parts where David is like, God, eh, you know, whatever. But only the parts of the Psalms where who God was. And I was amazed at how transforming it was for me um, when I focused on just that aspect Mm -hmm. of declaring who he is and not the the goal was I'm not even going to ask him for anything in my times of prayer I'm just going to spend my normal time of prayer declaring who he is 
and how much it built my faith in his love for me, even though I wasn't talking about his love for me or I wasn't talking, I was talking about his character. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, wow, like, I think the church needs to do that, like focus more on those aspects. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think our culture has so influenced our worship in the church because culture is constantly inward focused. And, you know, if you just look inward, if you just love yourself more, if you just, Mm -hmm. you know, do this, then you'll be happy. And I think we brought that into not just worship, but church culture. Yeah. So this is interesting and I can't verify it because I heard it on a podcast, but the person I heard it from, I really respect because they teach in a worship school and they said, surprisingly, in the Psalms, there's only two places where the psalmist says, I love you, Lord, or I love the Lord. And I think it's like Psalm 16 and Psalm 18. And he said, the psalmist is really cautious to confess their love for God because they know, like, just, you know, they're, there's a lot of stuff going on, but, like, they're just not, that's not where the focus is. And um, I just thought that was interesting because we mm. always cite the Psalms as like, well, this is our textbook for how we should worship. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying we shouldn't declare our love for God. 100% we should. But it's just interesting that that comes up twice. I didn't huh. know that. Well, or could it be that we have become way more impressed with our love for God than his love for us? Yeah. And is that right? That That we've become just way more attracted to and attached to our love for God as if it's anything compared right. to, to his character yeah. towards us. Mm. And it's really more of an, an emotional you know, response rather than rooted in who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, It's more like, oh, I feel this way about you now today. Right. When this music's playing. When this yeah. music's right. playing. <laughs> but, you know, so that's, that's really interesting. That's kind of a good segue into what I think we're going to talk about next. Um, I guess I'll just ask the question. (laughs) So does the emotion music creates within us mean that our response to God isn't genuine? Mm. Well, God created us with emotion. Mm. I have that written down. Good place to start. (laughs) Great place to start. I have had emotional reactions to non-worship music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bon Jovi, but, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, <laughs> uh, Tommy and Jeannie never back down, something like that. Anyways, um, to me, I think about, and I think we've shared about this before, but we have an emotional experience. You have to put in the work after that too. You mm-hmm. know, we if we keep just going for that emotion of it, we're not growing in our faith. We're not growing as a Christian, and so. There is a place for it, I think, in worship because I get emotional to worship songs. I couldn't sing "Good Good Father" for like six years <laughs> after after Emery was born. After, <laughs> I sang it the Sunday after he was born, and I don't know if Debbie did it to me on purpose or she just wanted to point and laugh at me or what. But like, <laughs> literally, the Sunday after yeah. we brought him home, she's like, "Oh, you can lead Good Good Father." I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love that there's an emotion to it, but mm-hmm. you got to put in the work after that to, to dig in. Okay, why am I feeling this? And where else in the scripture can I find out about this? You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I see kind of two sides to this. I mean, 
course God created us with emotions. And I I think just as a creative person, God created music to elicit that response out of us too. I don't think that's an accident. Right. Uh, I don't think it's just some weird chemical response. I think that's intentionally how God created music. And then the other side is that, um, well, I'll just speak to what I know. As a musician, I know I play drums, so I know there's things I can do on drums to create an atmosphere or an emotion. A mob response. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, regardless of what God is doing in the room. Like, if I wanted to take a song in a direction, (laughs) Jordan knows this too, there's probably (laughs) things you could do on guitar. Um, Like, if we wanted to manipulate people into a response, we could do that too. And I'm, we we don't do that, obviously, but I I do have an, (laughs) I do have an awareness that, like, uh, even, you know, take music out of it. I've been in meetings where, you know, God is working through someone preaching or speaking. And then there's other times where it's just really obvious someone is just working the crowd. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And yeah. there's an emotional thing that comes out of that. So That's really interesting. I mean, I'm sitting here going, I'm not sure if you're as powerful as you think you are. <laughs> because there's a part of me that goes, uh, not me. It, you know, like, like uh, because I've been in a service like that, where somebody has been trying to move the room with certain... Sure. And yeah. and I'm not feeling the spirit of it. And, you know, so that's interesting. It may depend on the position of the people that are, you know, yeah. in the room. Yep. Um, or even just, you know, going, well, how do you know the Holy Spirit's not getting on it on your behalf? Or, you know, right. like that you yeah. don't have the help of the Holy Spirit. But that is an interesting thing. I'd have to think through that. Yeah. I think there's... Oh, did you have a thought? Well, I was just going to say, I would... I would kind of side with you. If I was in the audience, I would definitely be discerning. And like, I've been in the situations where I'm like, you're not making me dance or Mm -hmm. like stomp my feet or we're not going into warfare just because this guy's playing hard on on the the drum. Like I see right through that. Just because the drummer got pointed to it. I was like, yeah, we're doing this. (laughs) I think the other thing is that, and hopefully this isn't too weird for the discussion. I think it depends too on if we think that music is strictly natural and strictly like I think there is a spiritual component to music mm. that that resonates in in our spirit. You know, if you you can go way down that road of of just even the theology of sound and and how sound it, you know, and so even when we talk about like secular music elicits a response in us part of that is because music is not just natural. Yeah. You know, there's like a, there is a, um, you know, there's an aspect of music that is spiritual, I guess. And so to some degree, I don't know that we should be, um, that we should hold back from letting the Holy Spirit work through that, Mm. um, or see it as not genuine, yeah, I I don't think I would see it as not genuine. Um, it it is really just all about the hearts of the people, right? That are yeah. in those positions, yeah, and and also the people in the room having discernment or like, are they engaged with the spirit or are they there for a good time? Right, <laughs> right. right, yeah, <laughs> yep. Well, 
I mean, that leads to our next question about consumerism and worship, because, mm. again, with a million songs that we can, you know, access at any time and so many different styles and genres and everything, what, what are the pros and cons of that? Sing to the Lord a new song. That's pretty easy to do then. Because <laughs> there's something new on every week, every, every couple weeks. I guess it's totally week. biblical. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Let's get it all out there. <laughs> um, I think a pro is that there's people, you know, you have such a kind of a wide array of music that there's kind of maybe something for everybody where you don't need to, you know, when I think about like worship music in the nineties, it was very, I feel like pretty much all that's the same, a couple acoustic guitars, a piano and drums and bass. And it was, you know, just very simple. If I'm being similar honest, similar chord mm-hmm. structure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I, th- I think it's good now for people just to have like, Oh, if I want something that's, more of what I maybe listen to secularly. There is stuff, and if there's some that, oh, I wanted to be a little more bluegrass and country, I think there is stuff. Yeah. But I think it's... I don't think I could worship to it. No, though. same. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't think... But people the, could. I don't think the girlfriend ever leaves or the dog ever dies <laughs> or his truck ever breaks down, you know? It's, it all wraps up good in the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that's probably a good thing of it, just yeah. having a variety yeah. 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 Or maybe I, it isn't. No. Yeah, see, this is what I struggle <laughs> yeah. with because I hundred percent agree. Like, worship probably has shifted, like popular worship at least anyway, in a direction that is more palatable to my tastes. So I think awesome. Like I have more to choose from. But right? then it's depending not about on you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> depending on the mood I'm in. But then I've made it about me. Yeah. And yeah, I get worship back. When we were kids, it was like fairly limited. We sang the same songs for years. Right. The instrumentation was kind of bland and the same. But like, in a sense, we couldn't make it about us. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. It, yeah. It really just became about God. Then it wasn't about that stuff. And, and so, the entertainment value was low. Yes. Right. And so it didn't. That didn't become the focus of what we were doing because. Yeah. It wasn't very entertaining. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's one of the cons is people can hear these great worship songs so well done, and then they go to worship in a church with people where in their real life, in their real life, where mistakes will be made, and it'll be kind of like a letdown. Not by Jordan or Dan. Right? They 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 do perfect on their instruments, but we do perfect. (laughs) Um, but just. Yeah, the consumerism factor is they're like, oh, well, they're not even musicians and they're judging <laughs> what they're doing. Right. But then also, I think we forget that there is a power in coming together in community and worshiping God together. And I think if you have access to all of these great songs by yourself, I think we forget the value of coming together and worshiping God together. Mm. Yeah. Because there's definitely power in in the corporate setting. Or you're watching someone else's intimate experience, which is creepy. Mm-hmm. Like even, yeah. you know, I go, oh, I'm listening to the live versions. So it's like I'm, you know, in the world. Right. No, you're not. You're watching someone else have an intimate experience together with God. Yeah. And and why why is that a good thing? Or, yeah. you know. Right, exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't want somebody it makes doing us, that yeah. for me. Right, right. <laughs> right exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And it makes, yeah, it makes us feel relationship with people who aren't part of our community. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a danger in that. There is. And yet it can unite the larger body of Christ. Yeah, that's true. So there's this experience of, you know, I think again, it's, there's two sides to that coin. Right. I have a question for Jordan quick as a worship leader. You have all these, a what? Pretend worship leader. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I want to be. Right. Uh, With all these songs coming out and like good songs too. I'm not just knocking the fact that there's so much music coming out. Yeah. And you have like a set that you've got to put together. Like, do you feel, I don't know how to phrase this. Do you feel like pressure to like keep up with what's coming out or do you feel like it's like a fire hydrant of new material coming at you? Yeah. No, exactly. That's a, I was literally going to bring up this point. I think one thing that can kind of be a, a con of that is that there's all this stuff and, but not everybody listens to it like I do or like I did. I don't listen to it as much anymore just cause I don't know, for some reason I'm not in that season, but it's like for me to, you know, as a worship leader, for you to introduce a new song every week is not good for the congregation because <laughs> they're not listening. They're not in the same boat as you as like, Oh, I, you know, this is from elevation and the Maverick city, blah, blah, blah. It's like, some people, you know, that might be the only time they actually listen to worship music or engage in worship music. So I think as looking at it that way, it can really be a hindrance because it's like you want something where people know it and don't have to be incessantly watching the words on the screen or whatnot and maybe not feel as involved in that moment. So I, I think, yeah, the fire hydrant analogy is kind of good because it's like, oh, there's all this new stuff that you know, we eventually want to do, but it's like, and it's it's, good, right? Like, yeah, you kind of like don't want to miss, like there's so many good songs out there. It's like, right. Oh, you got to stop somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. And it's like, I mean, you could literally every week do something that's really anthematic. That's new. That'll, you know, invoke that emotion of just like people weeping or like running around or being crazy. But it's like, well, that feels a little uh, manipulative then. So I don't know if I want to do that either. Yeah. That's interesting too, because as it relates to people being able to participate in it, obviously that experience is meant to be participation based. Right. So you want to bring songs that people can actually sing along with. And so like a new song every week is hard, but also the kind of music that is entertaining is not always easy for people to sing. Yeah, exactly. And so so we do these songs and they have no choice but to just sit and right. listen to it or right. and it may impact them still. Mm-hmm. But the point of our gathering corporately is mm-hmm. that we're participating together. Yeah. yeah. And so I think we've lost a little bit in that in the search for better music. Yeah. We've lost that aspect where oh we can all do this together, yeah. As opposed yeah. to like we're we're disappointed that the church is becoming consumer driven. Well, right. we've kind of created that, right. yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. And in an effort to draw people yeah. into the church, yeah. we've kind of made it into a consumer mindset, so it's yeah. palatable. Or, or I would say like not even to draw people in, but just me. I've made it. <laughs> 
yeah, consumer sure. thing because yeah. I know what I like and my appetite for new things is increasing yes. every year. Yep. It's just the culture we're living in. So I will take the blame. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, well, that's where I was putting it. <laughs> yeah, so. right. I yeah. think we were trying to get there. Yeah, no. <laughs> I think well, we all do that. Yeah, yeah, I remember definitely. being like 14 and listening to a worship leader up front. I'm not going to say which one, but I was like, Oh, this song again. Oh my gosh. And it was just, well, I was 14. So, you know, we'll give you a pass. (laughs) I was so angsty. But now I'm like, oh, I want to go back to those songs because those spoke a truth that is timeless. Mm. So what, what is it about new songs that get so old so fast? Because Jordan, I know you said to me after like one or two times of doing a song, you're like, I'm so sick of this song. Well, the thing is like... (laughs) As probably in like kind of the nuts and bolts of it, as being on a, a you know a team that's leading worship, you do it like one a couple Sundays in a row. But you've probably done it like at least five times each of those Sundays in the practice of it, or during the week practicing right. or listening to it. That that's it's interesting. Like, yeah, you know, by the time you've done it for the second or third time, you're like, okay, we can move on from this one. I've I've played it out in my mind because. You know, there's probably a point where a couple weeks before you actually do it, you're like thinking, it's like, oh, we could do this one. You kind of think it out and structure wise and all of that. So it's, I think the practic- practicality of it is people just, <laughs> for me on a worship team, I, I probably get sick of it just because it's like five or six times more than anybody else is ever right. listening to it. So don't practice point. is what you're saying. Yeah. No, I don't want to do that though. <laughs> so I think too, though, it. It's just the way culture is going, even outside of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was doing a little bit of research before this episode, and I think Michael Jackson, like either Thriller or Beat It, was like number one when it came out for 37 weeks. Right. That's like most of the year. And that's like, you yeah. you just wouldn't hear that these days like right yeah yeah it's like a couple of weeks maybe right i mean it will stay kind of up there on the charts but number one for yeah. 37 weeks yeah right? that's a different era and a different rate of consumption and we've just kind of brought that rate of consumption and consumerism into the church right well yeah. even to go down kind of another rabbit hole there's people who just write music so it can go on a reel or on a tiktok like a 20 second or 30 second thing. Right. It's never, it's not a full song. It's just like, I'm just writing this so it can be put in somebody's viral reel or TikTok, whatever. It's like, I don't have a whole idea for like a three minute song. I have these 20 or 30 seconds to make an impact on this. And it's like, oh, okay, we're, we're missing something here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Do you have any thoughts on why worship songs get old so fast? Well, I think you know, even just the, to me, I'm thinking about kind of culture in general, that we just are used to our preferences being met, Right. you know, like, and so even with our kids, like you, okay, I'm, if you think about it, I'm making dinner. This is the dinner we're having. (laughs) Nobody else is having other dinner. This is the dinner. Oh, that's not the way in our house. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But that's how it used to be (laughs) back in my day. But, but, you know, there's this reality of if we begin to treat our our expression of worship in that way, which I kind of think we are treating it that way, that, you know, so yes, we have this flood of different options, and now everything gets to be preference-driven. Right. So, so 
I, I just don't think that's how God intended it to be. Right. And yet yeah. it is very cultural. And so to what degree has the church just allowed the culture to infiltrate our our experience? And to what degree is God cool with that and he wants to work with that? It's you know, it's just hard to know. Right. But but I think yeah. that preference driven piece is um is a concern. Yeah, yeah. To kind of go along with that, we don't have to wait for anything anymore. Yeah. You used to have to wait for, oh, Petra has a new cassette coming out in four months. <laughs> yes. And I'll wait and then I'll listen to it then. You know, it's like mm. I have to drive somewhere and buy it or whatnot. And, or I have to go to this movie theater to see this movie or I have to stand in line to buy tickets for something. We don't have to wait really at all for anything anymore if we don't want to. Right. So I think that's part of it too, that, that cultural, cultural piece kind of that snuck into the church. It's like, well, we shouldn't have to wait either in the church. Right. You know? mm-hmm. right. I should just have access to whatever I want yeah. when I want that. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yep. Absolutely. So the obvious question to ask after this is how, how do we fight against that? I mean, if it's just happening, if that's the stream that's pushing us along and that's just what happens with no action of our own, we have to do something different to even just escape that momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good question. That's philosophical. That is a good question. Yeah. I mean, I'll get back to you in a few years. <laughs> <laughs> when we figure it out. Right. We'll take time. I think just camp on that. Just the church as a whole just needs to well, there needs to be a lot more discipleship in the church, I think. Uh, intentional discipleship. But we can just Instead of, oh, we're going to wait for this next word from this person or whatever, you know, we're going to wait for a word from God from this person, we can just intentionally slow down in our own lives and be like, just waiting for God to move. Like, it doesn't have to be in my time, you know, and just in our in our own lives, just doing that. And I don't know, like, I think too, <laughs> in, it's in so, our entire lives. Right. Just, I think it's okay, too, to be... I'm just still, you know, chewing on that last word or whatever. Just I'm still needing to process, you know, I think we can feel like we all need to have it figured out and processed really fast so we can keep moving. Yeah, It's okay to kind of sit and just wait, be like, man, that hit me like a ton of bricks and I'm it's going to be a while before I'm ready to move to just be Mm. okay with that, which, again, is kind of counterculture right now. Just yeah. being okay with sitting and waiting and just being open to, to not moving too fast. and Right, or having to have the next greatest thing or the yeah. next, you know, yeah. I think that's another piece of it is I realized I have, um, I have this strong desire for revelation in the Lord. Like the next revelation of what God wants to show us about himself or whatever else to the degree that I kind of despise what I've already seen. I kind of, not despise, but I don't value. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think part of that is us being willing to really stay, like, I think we all need healing for our attention spans. Yeah. Like, right. to yeah. stay on a concept of, of, you know, even, you know, oh, you know, we're, we're focusing on prayer 
this month. And it's like, oh, that's such an old concept. <laughs> you know, like, no, that is the concept right. of, you know, of the Christian life. Yeah. And and what can we say new about prayer? What can we, you know, right. but I think worship follows that kind of that, that same process. Mm. It's interesting though, like in my own personal time with the Lord, if I'm just in prayer or I'm walking around in my day, the song that will come out of me is not any of the new ones, mostly for the most part in the last you know, even 10, 15 years. It's, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice. Mm. You know, whatever. Like, when I want to find that connection with God, you know, oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. You know, these are old songs. And I was wondering, like, Lord, why, when I want to connect with you, am I going back to those songs, not these songs that, you know, it's just interesting I, I think that we need to be okay to focus on his attributes um, for more than three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, one thing I've been trying to do on a practical, personal level is not jumping to listen to whatever the newest album is. And that's hard for me because as a musician and a creative person, yes. I want to hear like, okay, what's what's the cutting edge? And lately, part of it has just been like, I'm overwhelmed. This is so much. Yeah. Totally. But some of it's like, it is, it is still a discipline to say, no, I'll get around to that eventually. Right. And then um, like sometimes it's even just, camping out like on an album like a worship album like there's one like a year or two ago that just kind of random that I stumbled across that was like psalms reinterpreted and sung to music and I just camped out there for like six months which is a long time just to like right <laughs> listen to an album not exclusively but like I I meditated on that a lot and that was transformative because you know it was psalms too it was like scripture feeding my soul. Um, so yeah, that's just one little practical thing is just saying, no, I don't have to have every new thing that comes out. And it's a little bit of it is like fear of missing out. FOMO. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Yep. Well, just think for those six months you were listening to that one album, you missed out on 700 songs by Brandon Lake. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> for real. Uh, yeah, no, there, I definitely feel that too because there was a time where I just kind of stopped listening to music because I was just like I don't know if I'm just tired of music or what if and it, it wasn't like I was doing it as like a day job or whatnot but I was just like man I just don't feel like there's anything new that I'm really missing out on yeah, yeah. Mm. but then after it I was like oh man there's a lot of stuff that came out I need to you know you kind of go back to it but it's like at what point it's like okay I'm good where I can just let it be. And I think it's personality types too, where it's like, okay, I can just move on knowing I'm okay not hearing everything this (laughs) person has done. But then there's part of me where it's like, well, I don't know. He had probably a pretty sweet guitar tone on that one bridge for about 10 seconds. So maybe I should try and figure out what that was. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) I think too, recognizing that not all spiritual music is worship. Mm. And trying to distinguish between, I am listening to this for, enter- like, it's okay to listen to something for entertainment, mm-hmm. but to understand yeah. the difference right. between, right now I'm listening to this, it's about God, it's about a spiritual concept, it's about, but it, I am listening to it 
for entertainment right now right. versus what is it like when I am listening to something and, and in something for the sake of worship mm-hmm. and and recognizing that there is a difference, you know? Mm. Yeah, I wasn't going to bring this up, but it, you just reminded me when you were talking about entertainment. A couple years ago, I went to a worship event concert and I, I probably paid like 80 bucks a ticket to get in. And to worship God. Yeah, <laughs> I, remember, I remember like feeling conflicted buying the ticket and thinking, no, I'm, I'm actually just going because I, I want to be entertained. This person doesn't come through town very much, so that's how I'm going to justify it. And then I left thinking, like, this is just ridiculous. Like, where does it end? Because maybe the tickets were 20 bucks when I was a teenager and then 50 and then 80, and it's just becoming this big production, and I'm always right. trying to justify how it's okay. And so I'm at a point now, just personally, I'm not judging anyone else who wants to do that, but I'm not going to spend big money to go to some event to worship with this one particular artist. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. That, that, that's just contributing to the consumer thing that I'm also critiquing. So just yeah. as a matter of um, integrity and not being a hypocrite. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to abstain from that. Yeah, absolutely. Even I, if I love the artist. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. 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 I used to, man, I used to want to go to all of the concerts and once I hit 30, I was like, no, I'm, I'm done. That was, that was this last year. <laughs> I know. Okay. I know. That's where I finally gave up and I was like, eh, whatever. But also like listening to sermons too, I think falls like, yes, you have access to any sermon mm. and to any topic, to any topic. And I think what's worse is you can listen to somebody who agrees with every single theological point as you. And so you don't get any other aspects of the character of God mm. or any other different points, you know? And I got so sick of just listening to one the whole time. I was like, I'm no, I'm, I'm done listening to sermons from people who don't have a personal, like, uh, look into my life, you right, know, right. or, or personal community. And that not, not that those sermons were bad, but just, okay, I'm going to invest in my own community rather yeah. than try to get more from other preachers. What would that look like if we did that with worship? There'd be a lot less albums coming out. Well, yeah, <laughs> to a large degree, or even just recognizing like, are there unsung songs for this place, for this time, for this people who who is in uh, you know, relationship with one another as believers that we miss out on because we're singing the songs of that time, that place, that people, and what they're, you know. And, you know, what is the what is the pros and cons of that that larger unity? versus kind of that individual expression of a of a local body not being fully realized. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think, it's a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> one yeah. to chew on. I mean, like you said, it is good to be tied to something bigger than yourself. I do love the idea that I can come in and sing a song knowing that there's millions of Christians all over the world that might be singing it mm-hmm. at the same time or just in as different As long as context. they have the same preferences as yeah, you. Yeah, right. yeah, right. <laughs> right. As long as they're singing something off the top 20. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 
but yeah yeah i mean right it would be kind of weird if we like streamed a sermon like after worship like we're, we're singing all these songs that people wrote and then what if we just like played Oh, that would make just, my job so just, much easier. Just Stephen Furtick's yeah. last, yeah. last series. Yeah, that's our sermon sure. for today. Right. Some, something someone else wrote. Yeah. Right. Isn't sure. that yeah. interesting? No, that is interesting. I've never thought about it that way because, yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> hmm. Jordan, as a worship leader, what are some things you want people to consider as they come to worship on a Sunday? Um, I th- when I was thinking about this, I think the main thing was for me is that I struggle in worship too, you know, just being able to really enter in and feel like I'm in the flow of everything. Even, even if I'm like, you know, putting out the song list, there's still times where it's just like, man, this week was tough. And now I have to, you know, put on a brave face. I don't, I don't feel like (laughs) that, but it's just like, be like, I don't, I want to be authentic up there and I want to be real. Um, but two, I know I can push past it and just ask Holy Spirit for help and just to lead me in my worship and just realize that really once I'm kind of feeling the over- overwhelmingness of that, it's, it's just the enemy in my head trying to, you know, or the enemy trying to get into my head and saying, no, you're not fit to lead and so, and stuff like that, where it's like, that's where I really need to rely on Holy Spirit and the father just for the grace of it. And so for me, that's one thing. It's just like, it's, you know, even though you see us up there playing and leading everything, it's, you know, it's not just duckies and bunnies all the time. You know, there's a struggle with it too. And just a struggle of getting out of your head and just letting your spirit sing out and not, and not feeling, not feeling overwhelmed with, you know, whatever else is going on in the moment, but just being in his presence for it. So, yeah, that's really good. Renee, as a pastor, how do you want people to think about worship? Um, I want them to think about it as the warm-up act for the preaching. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I definitely do not want them to think about that. Um, I think I just really want them to realize, I want them to own it more, mm. I think, and, and to come in with an overflow of their own intimacy with the Lord so that when we're coming together in a corporate gathering, it's not Jordan's job to get them to that place of being able to connect with the Lord, but that actually they're coming in, um, having already had this kind of communion with the Lord throughout their week. And that, that worship is an overflow of that. Mm. Um, and I think also I, I do want people to consider, um, how they're waiting their worship, how they're, you know, that expression, is it, is it primarily about me or could I spend some more time really meditating on who God is and, um, and kind of being aware of our appetites in that, you know, to come in hungry for the Lord, not just hungry for a particular uh, way of experiencing him. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thinking Well. We hope that this will lead to fruitful conversations in your life. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. 
To stay up to date with the latest and to join in the conversation surrounding faith and culture, follow us on Instagram at Thinking Well Podcast. Thinking Well is a production of Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information about Living Waters, visit livingwatersmn.org.